Good so we'll throw in Ted Robinson, the longtime voice of the 49ers. We just talked to Zane Beatles. We talked to John Lynch. We're going to actually start walking towards where we need to get to. But uh, as you look at this 49ers team, you know, we've seen them practice with, with the Broncos the last couple of years. That gap, that gap certainly seems like it's closing. I don't want to say close. <laughs> But you can yeah. tell that, that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are making their mark on this organization with uh, some of the roster upgrades. Well, I've heard that same thing. Now, I wasn't uh, in Denver last year for the joint practices. I was at the Olympics, and so I missed it. But I've heard a lot of tales about it that weren't very complimentary from the 49ers' side. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, for example, the reaction afterwards was, wow, what a difference. Because last year, the Broncos pretty much beat us around. Uh -huh. And yesterday, the guys felt much better about the 49er people felt much better about their performance. So it's reflective, I think, for all of you, for, for Bronco fans listening. It's reflective of the vibe since February in here. It's way better. Uh, John has been phenomenal as the front face of the football organization, mm -hmm. something we really haven't had around here in a long time. Kyle has grown comfort more comfortable in his role because he's never had to be a media guy. He's mm -hmm. always been a position coach or coordinator. He's never had that responsibility. He's growing into that. But the openness, the transparency, which is in Silicon Valley where we're standing is a huge word. Mm -hmm. and, and the other word I'll use is collaboration. The two of them are working together. Even if they differ, they, they talk it out, and it's just so much healthier here. Now, as you all know, and Steve knows it better than anybody, none of that matters when you start playing games. Right. Exactly. So that's the next key. Now, the next key is we need to see on Sundays that there's an improved product on the field. Now, do you get a sense from the fans here that um, – they have the that the fans support are supportive of uh, both Kyle and John in their new positions. Absolutely, Steve. So draft night here, hosting a little event for season ticket holders, and I'm going to say that in 2016, uh, we had Chip Kelly come out as the coach. We probably had 500 people. This year, there were 11,000 people in the stadium on draft night, where nothing happens, by the way. Right. right? Where nothing happens. And then an open practice uh, a week and a half ago in the stadium, 25,000 showed up. So wow. coming off 2014, wow. right. it just tells you that, that, that these obviously these people are starved. These fans are starved. We had a little taste of it here during three years in 2011, 12, and 13. And then it cratered. Last year was, it just speaks, I mean, everything speaks for itself. Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but I, from looking at the 49ers personnel, it looks like you guys have some players on the team. Well, defense, we do. Yeah. I, let's put it this way. I think this is a prove-it camp uh, for a lot on defense. Armstead at the top of the list, but he looks well, much improved. Well, the last three number one draft picks are defensive linemen. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have, if you look at the defensive depth chart, just look at the depth chart right now, it's a lot of high draft picks over the last five years. Mm -hmm. Last year's defense statistically was the worst in the history of the franchise. So clearly that doesn't mesh. Right. right? How can you have this many high draft picks and have the performance be that bad. Mm -hmm. So this is a prove it, I think, for me on defense, that this defense has to play better. Offensively, it's a blank slate for all of us. The position players are almost all new. The quarterbacks are all new. The wide receivers are all new except Jeremy Curley. The only running back returning is Carlos Hyde. Tight ends are an interesting mix. You have three holdovers and three newcomers. Mm -hmm. That's probably the fiercest single position battle on the team. But offense, to me, is a real blank slate and we're all interested here to see Kyle's offensive wizardry and how well regarded yeah. it is what will it generate from a, a new collection of players Ted Robinson voice of the 49ers here with us just for another minute then we got to go find our rides Steve. Um, <laughs> we may be but, looking at our rides. yeah we may be we may be walking all the way back to the to the team hotel but 
it seems like Kyle and, and John are really working well together, and you don't normally see a six-year six year contract in either of those positions too often unless you're talking about a guy named Bill Belichick or something right. like that. So are you seeing that, and are the people that have been around the organization for a long time seeing those guys working well together and, and kind of what their vision, shared vision is? Right. From the very beginning, and of course, if, if Broncos fans aren't familiar, the reason John Lynch got the job was Kyle Shanahan told Jed York, CEO of the team, you need to meet John. He's interested in doing this. So John actually flew up here, uh, stayed at Jed York's home for two nights in January, and wow. they bonded over that meeting. And as a result, it was kind of handshake, winked, understood that Kyle was going to be the head coach as soon as Atlanta's season was over. John becomes the GM. Uh, it's, it's, I'll tell you this, the 49ers had three people that went out on the coaching search. Three people. All of them were under 40. Okay? So I thought to myself, and I said it to some of our colleagues inside, I said, you know, I'm not suspecting they're coming back with me, who could be right. their father, as their head coach. It wasn't great for back, Dave Tobe. Right, they're going to come back with somebody they can relate to, yeah. and that's Kyle. He's 37. He, I think uh, Jed, I believe, is 36, so there's a, a connection. John's a little bit older, but skews young. The energy together has been terrific, and here's the last part I'll tell you, is what I refer to as the magnet effect. Who do you attract to draw? Who wants to come play around you as a player or you as a coach for you, work for you? Kyle attracted really good assistant coaches to come here. And John, the first thing he did was got Adam Peters. Right. John Elway graciously allowed Adam to make the move. And then Martin Mayhew, who's a GM in the league, comes to work here. That magnet effect, to me, speaks volumes. Yeah. We haven't seen that around here in a long time. And, it, of course, to me, it spoke loudly that John has some credit. These people who have options were willing to sign on and work here. Yeah. You know, one of the things I noticed uh, the first day yesterday when we were over here was that um, I saw some of the alumni hanging hanging out, some of, some of the guys who, who played in years past. Yes. And uh, is the 49ers organization, um, you know, trying to be conscious about getting those guys included well it's it has happened in terms of over, camp yeah. yeah over my that's my ninth year here and i've seen it quite a bit there's been a lot of attempts and it's gone in waves some of it's depending on the coach but john lynch has made a very and of course kyle because he has some history as a, as a young guy around here um, when dad was working They've made a more conscious effort. So you did. You had uh, Steve Young and Ronnie Lott were here. I know they're trying to get Joe Montana. I thought Joe was going to be here Monday. It turned out he had a, a, a another issue going on. He couldn't. But that's something they're active. And it, I don't know. I'll be honest with you, Steve. I don't know how much it resonates with the fans. It resonates loudly with the fan base. Yeah. This fan base here, th that dynasty is still magic here. Exactly. It's a long time ago. Yeah. And, and I get a little bit um, on sideways only because when, for example, in 2011, when the 49ers made the playoffs, uh, my son was in his 20s. He doesn't know the dynasty. He knows the dynasty because he hears right. me talk. Oh, right. good point. He sees it on NFL films. Right. But this was the first time he had ever seen the 49ers be relevant. Right. And that's important. You have to have that next generation of fans that gets captured. So at some point, yes, it's important to have these people be part of it and to have their honor uh, the stadium, by the way, you'll see it on Saturday. There's far more signage, far more of an under, of an acknowledgement of the 49ers history in the stadium this year. That's something that the fans spoke loudly about that they felt was missing the first three years. Yeah. And the and front office listened, and they've responded this year. So it is important to the fan base here well, and you to talk have about those people. Those young respond. fans, there's going to be some that are up for grabs with the Raiders moving at some point or already obviously <laughs> that, ah, that may have just yeah. been young kids that didn't have – 
a dog in the fight. So, Ted, we really yeah. uh, appreciate it. Great to yeah, see you guys. Much, Ted, man, I'm impressed with this, and this is and this is the first mobile interview <laughs> I've ever done, man. <laughs> so, you uh, are cutting edge. Well, we done. are cutting edge, so we really appreciate well it. Thank that's you guys. Mike Kliss, Bronco Insider from 9 News, presented by Coloradans for Responsible Energy Development. Learn the facts at cred.org. Mike, do you ever feel like the Turk sometimes when you're going up to try to get uh, quotes from these guys? I know I have. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I think I just walked in a space the in the hotel where you dropped out on me. Say that again. Have you ever felt like a Turk going to get an interview with the guy? Uh, we just had Tyler telling us what he doesn't care for as far as the qualities in a Turk. So, yeah, the uh, I've never. I don't think I've ever had that type of situation. I, you know, after a game. If a guy has a fumble or, you know, I remember in baseball going up to uh, Mario La Rosa when he was with the Atlanta Braves, he had four errors. He didn't put a big double play. It was it was like the worst game one person has ever had in the majors. And I went up and talked to him. I, I had to talk to him because it was the worst game I had ever seen. He was a good player. I think he played about 10 years. And... You know, those moments aren't easy. He handled it. Uh, I think I was a little delicate with the way I presented my questions. Um, but, yeah, when you're interviewing the game's GOAT, uh, you do kind of feel like a Turk sometimes. I'll tell you guys that we're sharing story time real quickly. I went into the Rockies locker room, Mike. It was 1 uh, September in 99 because I just started at KOA. I was okay. an intern. I was sent to get audio. The Rockies lost to the Diamondbacks by some ridiculous. It was like a softball score, like twenty-two to five or something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, a guy that by the name of Kurt Abbott, a second baseman, was one of the few yeah. guys to have an RBI that day. So I thought he was a safe interview. So I walked yeah. up to ask him if I could just get a couple of questions because you know how it is. You unfortunately were too many of those Rockies locker rooms where it's dead silent in there. Um, and it was uncomfortable, and there wasn't too many people to get sound from because not much went right that day. Uh, so I asked if I could just get a little sound from him, not even sure what I was going to ask, and he dog-cussed me out of that place so badly for even asking for an interview. You know in Seinfeld where George Costanza just walks out of Steinbrenner's office as he's still talking? That's yeah. kind of what wave, I did out of the clip. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I did is he cussed me all the way to the door. So <laughs> I like You know, to some degree, I, not much, not much, but to some degree I feel a tiny bit bad for you, Mike, because – you know, written words are much more permanent than spoken words. So, right. you, you know, what you do, it, it, it's it's much more permanent than what I do, all right? So yeah. I, I recognize that. I, I got a small degree of respect for you, okay? Oh, uh, but, hey, small. You're yeah. up to small, Mike. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. we're talking about, I mean, I didn't talk to him for eight years of my NFL career. We're, we're building, we're working on our relationship. Yeah, and I'm sure Mike's forgotten that, yeah. totally. Yeah. Bygones are bygones. Let, let me yeah. ask about practice. <laughs> Let me ask you about practice yesterday, buddy. Uh, yep. Sounds like the two QBs, they both had reasonably good days. Um, if you had to give the edge to one guy uh, on his performance over the entire day, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough one, cause I, and I'll tell you why. After two periods, I was ready to say, hey, what's going on here? It looks like Paxson's going to be the Broncos quarterback on the opening day against the Chargers. And because uh, Trevor was was not good, he threw, one, he threw one ball right in the chest of number 50 for the 49ers, a linebacker, and uh, the guy dropped the ball. 
during this was during a team period. And Paxson was looking pretty good. Paxson looked really good the first two team periods. He had the first team in the first two uh, 11 on 11 periods. Then, uh, then it kind of went to uh, uh, the third period. Uh, Paxton started throwing the ball uh, erratically. He started getting some comments from the 49ers press who were seeing him for the first time. And, you know, I, I guess maybe we're conditioned. When Paxton misses, he misses. You know, he, he, he can be w- really wild. And he was having some of those throws. And, and the, rest of the, the rest of the practice, the blitz period, he did not do. Uh, very well at all and of course uh, Simeon being a little calmer and and more experienced I I thought really won the blitz period Uh, the two-minute drill the two-minute hurry up uh, Simeon did better than Paxton so I guess because of the blitz period and the two-minute drill which I think are the are the uh, are the most important uh, Simeon would have been would have been the guy but it was tough. Paxton was clearly better early. Simeon was clearly better late. Okay, so where does that leave us in the race, right where we've been? <laughs> Wait, who won? You didn't tell me who won. <laughs> because it was even. You kind of tweeted that out, right, Mike? Kind of like, well, we've yeah. not really and done anything there's, here there's today. There's no ties yeah, in so, football. Oh, yeah, wait, sometimes and, there are. And so, it, and so it goes. Um, you know, because Paxton, I guess because Paxton had uh, – had more first team reps and this is what it's about it's about who's going to be the first teamer i would say uh paxton had the better day uh all in all because he had more first team reps i would say and he played well early i would say paxton had the more encouraging day all right i i gotta ask you i just told andy it was his turn but i'm jumping in again sorry (laughs) uh I, I got to ask you about the, the first team reps there because I did read your article uh, this morning about Paxson getting 60% of the reps, and I believe that was uh, since last week's game overall. Am I correct there? Yeah. Okay, so so he's been getting about 60% of the reps since last week's yes. game. But let me ask you this. I mean, is that something that is noticeable to the naked eye, or do you have to chart that? Because oftentimes – uh, and, and say move the ball period. Maybe Paxson just had a longer drive than Trevor, and that's why he's got sixty percent. Or, or maybe you, you know, there's there's a million different reasons why uh, it could be just a little bit off. But is it noticeable to the naked eye, or would you have to chart it to notice that it's sixty percent? Um, you you don't have to chart every play. In fact, it probably was more like seventy percent because. Uh, on the third period, when Trevor got the first team, he threw a pick on the first play, and so the first team was out of there. And then Paxton uh, Paxton went out there, so they only got one play on the first uh, uh, set of you know set of plays and uh, during one period. Interesting. Um, so um, no, the, the fact that Paxton has, and it's not just sixty percent; they have five team periods. At least they did yesterday, and I think that's pretty consistent. Uh, maybe they only have four sometimes, but in the in the five uh, periods, I have noticed Paxton has gotten the bulk of it, especially early. And then, like yesterday, the first two team periods, it was Paxton with the first team, Trevor with the second team, and maybe that had something to do with Trevor not playing well early. And then uh, uh, Simeon got the third, and then Paxton went in for the fourth. So he really had. 
you know, at one point he had 75% of the reps. That jumps out at you. You're saying, what's going on here? And then, uh, um, especially when he got the first and second first team reps. And he played well. And I was talking to Andrew Mason. I was like, uh, is something going on here? Something feels funny to me. <laughs> because, uh, you know, we've all been saying that uh, Simeon is, has – you know, been winning the race or winning the competition or leading the competition, I guess I should say. And then uh, we got uh, all of a sudden Paxton is getting a lot of love uh, practice-wise as far as number of reps. So it's happened this week. It has not happened like this, Tyler. Uh, I have not noticed it like this since the start of OTAs. Mm. It's It's been pretty even, Steven, but it's been more Paxton – and uh, I, well, I don't know. I didn't notice uh, Trevor getting these many first-team reps last week. Well, but how much of that has to do with, I don't know. Look, Mike, the I think game? a lot of us feel like that Trevor is winning the job right now, and a lot of us have said, you've even written critical week for Paxton Lynch. How yeah. much of this is just, all right, here it is. Show us or don't. Could that be part of this? I mean, I guess if we're if you're laying this scenario out for us next week and that's leading up to Green Bay, I'm going to really – start to uh I, I'm gonna be waiting on the starting quarterback announcement, frankly. Um yeah. if we don't get it well, Monday. To, uh, look, they have to name their starting quarterback next week, early next week. I said Monday. Vance Joseph danced around that, maybe because he's gonna announce it on Sunday, you know, but he's got to announce the starting quarterback after this game. Uh, not, dire- not directly after this game. He has to do it by he has to do it before preseason game three against Green Bay. Look, I don't disagree, Mike. I I, I think you're accurate in uh, what would be a reasonable assessment of the situation. But when I hear Vance Joseph say that preemptively, uh that I might not name somebody on Monday and that really doesn't stress me out, to me, that's a guy trying to take control of the situation and say, Look, I might not name a guy until after the third game and uh, Mike Rice, uh, our own Mike Rice uh, here on Orange and Blue 760, he told us yesterday, it was a reminder to myself that I'd forgotten, Trevor Simeon was not named the starter last year until after the third preseason game. Now, he started that game, but he was not named the starter until after the third preseason game. So I, I don't yeah. know. Do you see it similarly yeah, to that me was, that, yeah, that the reason the reason why uh, he wasn't is because they were trying to trade Mark Sanchez. And they oh, so they wanted people to think he was still a starter. Yeah, he was still in play for the starter. Interesting. So, um, but by starting the third game, it was Trevor. Um, and so, you know, whoever they whoever they have starting the third game will be their starter. Um, with, but but here the third game is the most important. Well, the second game is the second most important. It's just. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to – I'm reading this situation, guys. Pax, if Trevor's going to be the starter, which a lot of people – a lot of people, not not necessarily me, but I'm talking about, you know, players I talk to uh, off the record, uh, observers, you know, the uh, uh, some uh, some people around the team. I don't want to – I don't want to get too close to identifying them. But they say it's like – they think it's a foregone conclusion. It's Trevor. Well, if that's true, it just seems odd to me that Lynch is getting so much first-team love this week. Uh, it's only a few days away before they have to make the announcement. 
And uh, in in my view, anyway, I I, I do think we're going to know uh, next week. But it, it's just here's it's the thing. I'll tell you what, Mike is getting so much first team love. So I I don't know. I, is it possible that Lynch is going to be the starter against the Chargers? I have a little more uh, belief, a little more belief that it will be uh, today than I did uh, yesterday morning at this time. I'll just say this. I think we're all a little befuddled by how much Vance Joseph seems to resist letting anybody be in the lead. Um, I, I, look, I think this is clear. They want Lynch to be the starter. The question is, will he show yeah. them enough to justify the decision in the locker room and I think what you're kind of describing, at least, I think from those of us that that, that have different conversations out of different avenues, I'll put it that way, um, I think that it's the, the common thought is in the locker room right now, I don't think you can name Lynch and not have a problem on your hands. How about I put it that way? I think to this point, Trevor still has the confidence of the locker room. We'll see if what goes on this week in practice, which is maybe why he is getting so much of the bulk of the work, maybe this is his last opportunity to even win the locker room fully. I'm sure guys like him. I'm sure guys will play with him. But I think I think the locker room knows who they think the starting guy is right now, and I'm just not sure it's Paxton. We have a request from Doug, and I want to ask this question. Doug wants to know, how's the number one D looking? Are the 49ers struggling against the number one D the way the Broncos' number one offense has? That's a good question. They divided up in these joint practices. Uh, they divided up uh, offense, like Broncos' offense is against the 49ers' defense on one field, and uh, then the defense goes against the offense on the other field, and they don't allow us to get in the middle, you know, <laughs> Uh, John Lynch stands in the middle. Uh, Elway stands in the middle. Vance Joseph, and they say it's kind of like watching a you know tennis matches where you're watching two courts at one time. Well, we we don't have that access. We can't stand in the end zone. We have to pick one field or the other. And I stay with the offense, so I don't know how the defense did against the 49ers offense. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm not going to know today either. I'm, st- I'm sticking with the quarter. I'm sticking with the quarterback. I don't blame you. You got it. You got a story to write, right? So uh, yeah. look, I don't blame him. I mean, that that's yeah. the story. Yeah. I think we're all confident that D looks pretty darn good there, Doug, but you know what? We'll try to fish that out as we go. Hey Mike, we appreciate the time and uh, we look forward to uh, whatever summary you can give us tomorrow from this battle. All right. Thanks guys. You're actually the first GM that we've had on our new show here on the Broncos blitz. I don't know why John Elway refuses to talk to Steve Atwater, but, but, but John Lynch, Broncos Ring of Famer, with another Broncos Ring of Famer, uh, Steve Atwater, myself, Brandon Cristal here. Uh, how's things going so far now that y'all have been playing football for a few weeks? Because we, we saw you, the owners' meetings and, yeah. and, and all that good stuff, but how, how are things? And, and at your uh, charity event, too. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, this is why you do it. You, you spend all that time in the offseason, and then you put the, the product on the field. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled this thing came together. It was down at the Combine when VJ and, uh, and John came up to me and said, hey, we, would you guys like to scrimmage? And, you know, we did it last year. Uh, we'd like to come out to your place this year. We got some concerts or whatever. And I said, hey, we're all over that. Let me talk to Kyle. And, at, you know, uh, it's such valuable work, you know, because you get used to your, your own team. Oh, and gosh. you know their audibles. They know your stuff. And, <laughs> you're, you know, you, and this is real football. You're playing against new competition. Does it get a little chippy from time to time? Yes, but I, th- I still think the last two days, really productive work and good competition. And, um, you know, for us, that, that's a playoff-ready team. We're not there yet, um, 
but we're going to compete. And uh, so I was proud of the way we competed and, uh, you know, really, really good work. And I know the Broncos feel that way as well. Yeah. Uh, we were talking to a couple of our guys from yesterday because offensively yesterday, I felt like our guys came out. I won't say they came out uh, flat, but yeah. you guys came out and basically yeah. punched us in the mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we felt like we picked it yeah. up today and, and yeah. had a much better practice. Well, I felt like VJ talked to him last night because uh, <laughs> it, it was a different energy. In, well, I was going to ask. Yeah. Did you talk to your team beforehand and say, hey, yeah. man, last year, you know, yeah. things went a certain way? Well, I leave that to Kyle, but Kyle's got him well prepared, you know, and, and uh, you know, this is a great barometer for us, a great measuring stick, because we know this is a playoff-ready team in Denver. And like I said, we're coming off a 2-14 and 14 team, uh, year. We've overhauled our roster. We, we're really proud of the culture we're building, the, the, the effort guys are competing with. Yeah. Um, but we got to keep building it. And uh, it's, a, it's great to stack up against a team like the Broncos. And, you know, I think you're right. I think yesterday, you know, we did pretty well. And today they came out and I think controlled us for the most part. Steve Atwater went and played his final year with the Jets and had to play a game in Denver. Yeah. You obviously have been removed from the game. But I got to think that whenever you play the Bucks or the Broncos, I get this is preseason and Saturday is really not going to matter, and that's why practices like this make a lot of sense. But is it a little weird? I mean, you're such good friends with John. Yeah. You're a ring of famer. The organization, you have so many people that you're tight with. Yeah. Is it, is it, was it a little weird? I mean, or are you all no, Niners all the it, time and you're able to Kind of just every now and then you forget which team you're on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was hanging out at one point. I was hanging out with all the Denver guys. Whoa, I'm over there. <laughs> so, uh, um, But look, it, I, you know, for all the people, you know, because some people will come up to me sometimes and say, hey, would you sign a Broncos jersey? Of course I will. That was a right. big part of who I am. And, uh, you know, at some point I wanted to do this, and, and there's another guy named John who had the job and is doing really well at it. So yeah. uh, I had to go find someplace else. And, and uh, you know, you, 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 you struggle with that. But, you know, I, what I found here was a place, uh, Steve, you know it. There was a time where the 49ers were the organization. Yeah. It was the standard for the way you oh, do I know things well. first class. We got the brakes yeah. beat off us in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, Super <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah so this I know was well. the place. And so the opportunity to bring that back to glory, um, that intrigued me. It intrigued Kyle. And so we're thrilled to be a part of it. Now, John, as a former player, now a general manager, yeah. what are some things about being a general manager that you didn't expect or, yeah. you know, in a good way? You yeah. know, you well, John did a pretty good job of preparing me. He said, look, the football stuff, you're going to be fine. You know football, and you're going to put some good people around you for the procedural stuff. But I just think the totality of the job, the stuff that comes by your desk, all you want to do is watch football mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I think after you get the culture, you know, set, and that, that takes a little while, then you can really focus on that. But there's a lot that, you know, anything that happens from the business side, this is a football organization. At some point, it's going to touch the football side of things. And when you're trying to establish the way we want, we believe is going to help help us become a championship team, you got to be involved in everything. So I think just, you know, like John said, hey, I wasn't joking. You know, they weren't joking when they said general in general manager because you touch a lot of different things and uh, a lot of different situations. And that's important that you do. But uh, I think that's probably what surprised me most. John Lynch, our guest, Broncos Ring of Famer, along with Steve Atwater, another Broncos Ring of Famer. In a second, I'm going to ask both of you all about the Hall of Fame. But I want to ask one more football question because it comes on the heels of your press conference yesterday. Yeah. And a, a lot of Denver media was in there uh, and caught, caught that. You talked about how maybe this is an opportunity to look at the Broncos and if a deal makes sense. You already traded for Capri Bibbs draft, draft night. Now I'm looking at your roster thinking – 
there's not a receiver over 6'1 <laughs> that I saw. The Broncos have nothing but receivers over 6'1, yeah. save for Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, so I know you'd have to come out and say, yeah, we're keeping an eye on that. But that has, that's to be nice when you can see 90 other guys yeah. and think, hey, if you're going to cut them, we'd rather give you a seventh before, yeah. and before they hit the street. It's a great opportunity for John to look at our – I mean, you're, you're always studying other rosters because this is – it's fluid. It's not a static league. It's, uh, it's fluid and injuries and things. And, and so, uh, you know – I'm sure they're looking at our guys. We're looking at theirs. You can have conversations. Uh, I think the relationship only helps because you you trust the other side that they're going to be honest with you. And I we both want each other to do well. And so, but we also have to look out for the best interests of our organization. So it's a great opportunity with 90 guys on each side yeah. to kind of take a look at different groups and and start to have some conversations. All right, and then uh, I don't really even know how to set this up, but. I've talked to you about this. I've talked to Brian Dawkins, who still lives in Denver. Talked to him at the Combine about it. Talked to Steve almost once every three days about the <laughs> Hall of bringing Fame. Bringing it up. Yeah. To the Hall of Fame. But what the hell is it going to take? What the heck is it going to take, pardon my language, to get you badass safeties and then the other yeah. three that are coming? I mean, well, Dawkins, Palomalu, and Ed Reed, we, we all feel good about Ed yeah. Reed's chances. Y'all need gold jackets. Like, why is this taking so long? I don't know. It's something about that position. And I, I think a, a large part of it is it's a position. There's certain positions where it's hard to quantify with numbers, you know. Certain guys like Ronnie Lott had the interceptions, and so that's a slam dunk. But some of it is just your impact on the game. I watched this guy. He impacted the game. The other team better knew where 27 was. Same thing with Brian Dawkins. Um, and so from a number standpoint, it's hard to say, okay, this guy belongs, you know. And, and so um, – and I think a big part of it, a lot of these voters are so young, they didn't watch us play. So they're in there voting. They never saw us play. So they're listening to other people. And uh, But, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in the importance of that position because you can have a hand in so many different aspects of the game. That's what I loved about the position. At times you were covering receivers. At times you were a linebacker. At times you're rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. And so I think all that they're asked to do, I think uh, – you know, one thing, I, I, I never want to be out there trumpeting my own case, yeah. but I do want to trumpet the case for the position because I think the importance in the game is so, is, is so, uh, is so critical that I think more belong. Yeah, I agree, and I, I get that question all the time. You know, hey, what about uh, you and John Lynch and Brian Dawkins and no, normally those three and, of right. course, you know, Troy Palomalu and uh, Ed Reed. Who yeah, I, I they're going to be Reed fine. For, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially Ed yeah. Reed. Um, no, no but doubt. I always say, hey, if either of us gets in, I'm happy. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Because well, sort of like Kenny we easily this year. Yeah, yeah. right. Kenny, I was really thrilled for Kenny. And, and he brought you guys both up in his in his speech. Yeah, yeah. that was nice. That was nice. So if uh, John goes in, I'll be there with you. And I'll be there with you. <laughs> there you well, John, we know you got plenty of work to do. We really appreciate yeah. the time. Thanks for being our first GM. Maybe we can get yeah. the other GM on. Thanks. Congrats on your show, guys. Yeah, I'm thanks. excited for you. Yeah, we're we're yeah. excited. You've always been one of my favorite guys to talk yeah. to. So we are Thank certainly you. pulling for the thanks, 49ers yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they're not playing the playing the Broncos.